Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Live from Trackside, this is IMSA Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome along to another IMSA Sports Car Spectacular. Do you know, it seems only yesterday that we were looking out on a damp but exciting weekend of motorsport at Watkins Glen International. And here we are a couple of weekends later, and we've moved north of the border to Canada. Already a huge crowd gathering for what is going to be, I'm sure, another fabulously entertaining weekend not just for IMSA, but also for Canadian Tire Motorsport Park. We're back on the road again, and it's all live here on IMSA Radio. The Tudor United Sports Car Championship on IMSA Radio. Well, hello, everybody. I'm John Hindorf, and alongside me is Greg Kramer and Jeremy Shaw. Lovely to have your company as we are looking out on the final corner of another spectacular racing circuit. You know, we are truly blessed in the IMSA Tudor uh, United Sports Car Championship to visit some of the best circuits across the whole continent of North America and certainly historic and classic are two words that fall perfectly into Canadian Tire Motorsport Park. It's been a couple of years since I've been here and I was reminded just how much I like this place yesterday when we turned up on our setup day and I just stood and watched the testing that was going on. A sinuous piece of tarmac that winds its way through the countryside following the hills and valleys of this spectacular area that we are in about an hour or so, a little bit more uh, away from Toronto. It's set fair for a decent weekend weather-wise. There was some heavy rain in the early part of the week, but hopefully that's passed us by now. And we're looking at temperatures in centigrade, at least, in the mid to high 20s today, and that should be replicated over the weekend. First free practice session to come. Welcome back to Greg Kramer, who is back with us after his sojourn away from Watkins Glen International. I noticed there's no wetness here for him to worry about uh, down in the pit lane. You picked a good one to miss, my friend. Soggy feet for everyone. Uh, but this track, I mean, it is, it says everything about Canadian motorsport. It is just fantastic. And I don't think we've ever had a bad weekend when we've been here. I don't think so either. This is just an amazing facility. And you just take a look at the history of this place. The different series over the years that it's hosted, including being the home of the Canadian Grand Prix from 67 to 77, and uh, you know, Can Am, it was uh, one of the first tracks to host uh, what was the USRRC in Canada. It was such a spectacular hit. It really was one of the reasons that the Can-Am Challenge came into being, and it was insisted that this event, this venue, had to be on that calendar. And the sports car tradition that has been born here, yes, it's hosted open-wheel racing, 
But this has uh, been a sports car mega facility for so many years, and it's just right that these prototype cars, these high-speed GTLM cars, the challenge cars, uh, are here this weekend. This is a track that lets these cars really showcase, I think, everything that makes them special. In the Continental Tires pit lane reporting team this weekend, Shea Adam will take the first shift. Well, you've been coming here since you literally were uh, a child, and it's <laughs> never looked any better. I saw Ron Fellows earlier on, Shea, had a little chat with him. He's been so instrumental in the transformation, and it is a transformation of this circuit. But the great thing is that the atmosphere hasn't changed, neither has the character of the circuit. No, they've they've managed to keep things relatively loyal to the history. Yeah, turn two has been paved out the runoff, which has changed the character of that corner. But, John, the best thing, and you touched on it a little bit earlier, the weather, it's dry and there are no rain clouds around. I think it took three days for my tennis shoes to dry out from the Glen. But there's <laughs> a much more relaxed attitude even in the paddock. And just by the Performance Tech trailer, they had uh, Connor Daly standing around talking to people with about 10 minutes before this session was going to start in his street clothes. And then somebody pointed out, oh, look, there goes the Risi Ferrari. A look of panic came over his face as he realized, oh, yeah, I've got to go race a car. So uh, everybody's really chill and laid back in this first practice session, though. It's going to get fast and furious pretty quick because not a great deal of track time this weekend. No, got to roll, thanks, Shea. Got to roll out of the truck in pretty decent shape here. Good news is it's not a massively dissimilar circuit in terms of the rise and fall, and it's another natural terrain road course, Jeremy. So the guys have come away from Watkins Glen International. Some of them have gone back to home base. Some of them may not have had the opportunity to do so. But what we've got here is a circuit that all the guys from the LMS days have been to, but anybody who was in the old Grand Am series, they, they never came here that was their first time here last year it it it, uh, it was and uh, for all the teams who have been coming here for the first time uh, an eye-opener uh, they absolutely loved it and and uh, yeah, excited to be back here again this year you know with a, another year's knowledge on these cars i'm sure we're going to see faster times than we saw last year and uh, with per perfect weather conditions as well yeah this is it's always a, it's yeah for, for the drivers who've been here before it's always a favorite for the drivers who came here for the first time last year, it's a new favourite. Yeah, it'll become a favourite very, very quickly. So everyone getting out onto the circuit. We don't have the full complement, Jeremy, of classes here this weekend. The GTD, the second category of the GT cars, not on parade this weekend. That's right, John. Last year, they came, the the, uh, the Tudor United Sports Championship came here with the prototypes uh, and the uh, GTLM and the GTD no PC cars this year PC cars are here and no cheat GTD and I think that's a really smart move the it's a really demanding race course here and speed differential is uh, and, and, and uh, Canadian time motorsport Canadian time motorsport park are not two phrases that go together particularly well so I think having the uh, the slower GTD cars here um, and replaced by the PC cars I think is a smart move Greg do you agree I agree 100%, and I think, uh, you know, it's just, as you said, closing rates and the like, but it's the sustained speeds yeah. through the corners that comes with downforce in the GT Daytona cars of the four categories are 
the class that that's the class that has the least amount of that so the speeds as you said jeremy through the corners the approach speeds but into the corners are very different and that can really disrupt rhythm and, and once you get off line here uh with the the amount of speed that you carry through the corners here you get off line there's consequences to pay and and i think what's going to happen and believe me i love the gt daytona class but i think it might make this race even more fascinating and certainly fast-paced because I think everybody's going to be a little bit better in terms of getting into the corners. The GTLM cars just have that. That's where they make their time is into the corners with their extra downforce. I think it's going to make this really a fascinating uh, weekend in total and certainly the race itself. So Greg Kramer, Jeremy Shaw was uh, the voice that you heard before that. And we are hoping to have a nice clean session the delta wing just heading towards me at the moment and me being me and the other two voices you just heard uh, are on the outside of the final corner the driver's left now this this takes me back to uh, pretty much all of the years bar two years ago that i was here this is almost exactly the same view because our broadcast cabin for radio always used to be just behind the marshall's post at the exit of the final corner so we're on the uh, just on the uh, first level of the brand new building, which is still looking spectacular, as I said to Ron Fellows earlier on. Still has that new building smell, which is really... I don't know how they managed to do that, keep that after, what, a couple of three years. But we have got panoramic views over the final part of the, the last couple of corners, in fact, and the entry to the pit lane, which still seems... still st I'm still getting used to not having the tower on the opposite side of the track to us. It's, it's really opened things up, hasn't it? I mean, you get, we've now got a full view of everything. Any, anybody standing along this, uh, the, along the front stretch here, on the front stretch, where you're on the, the hill overlooking it, or the hospitality areas up top, you're going to have now an uninterrupted, uninterrupted view through turns 8, 9, and 10. It's absolutely superb. It's, uh, the facilities here now are so much better than they were even just a couple of years ago, John. And that has been supported by the Canadian fans who are out in force already. A lot of camping out around the circuit. And good afternoon. To, good morning to you, sorry. Just after uh, 20, just on 25 minutes past 11. 90.7, 90.7 FM and 454 even on your scanner if you're here at the track around the world at IMSA Radio. And uh, let's have your tweets as well, wherever you are in the world listening. Time zones mean nothing to us, so I've said good morning to everyone here. It could be any time of the day, and we know that you're listening literally globally to IMSA Radio. At IMSA Radio this weekend is where you need to be. And hello to Simon Beckett. Thank you for your communication this morning. Stephen Forbes, Carol Brinks over in California, where it's, what, three hours before us, so just probably getting a bit of breakfast down. Thank you to Marion and Sandra and everyone over at the hospitality and the catering area in the infield for getting our day off to a correct start. Nice bowl of porridge I had this morning over there. Thank you very much indeed. We are fuelled once again by Marion and uh, their hard-working team. Hardest-working people in the paddock are always the catering staff. First in, last out by some margin. Well, this is pretty good so far, gentlemen. We've had uh, 13, in fact, 14 now of the cars already turning laps a 112.494 Jeremy by Colin Brown in the PC the prototype challenge category 
That category coming to the end of its life now. We wait to find out whether it'll be LMP3 or something else that takes over from that. 54 car, 112-1. The best for the prototypes at the moment. Richard Westbrook getting up to speed in the 90. That's a 112-9. Yeah, so that's, that's an impressive lap, isn't it, from uh, Colin Brown? Well, finally, Richard Westbrook puts, sets the record straight and uh, goes to the top of the charts overall. 111-9 now for Richard Westbrook. So still a long way from uh, where we're going to be. We're going to be down... Uh, at least into the nines, if not quicker than that. The fastest race lap last year, however, was a, a 1.11.3 really? uh, for Olivier Pla, but uh, qualifying time three seconds quicker, quicker than that. And that same car, uh, the Oak Racing Morgan Nissan, it was last year. Gustavo Jakman put the car on a pole at 1 minute 9.1. And in the GTLM category, just for reference, the uh, fast lap uh, for qualifying last year was a, a 115.4, and uh, Earl Bamber already at a 116 flat. Yeah. So, I mean, just a few laps into the first practice session, we're almost only a half second away from essentially the track record in, the, in that class, at least in Tudor United Sports Car Championship history, which is brief, obviously. Yeah, but I think uh, that was the, um, that was the, uh, the benchmark here. Um, in any case, last year, certainly qualifying in GTLM, right. last year was Kuno Whitmer put the car on the pole, a 15-2, um, I think it was. And uh, the fastest lap last year in GTLM was also Kuno Whitmer, a 16-5. But the fastest race lap record actually went back the previous year was Maxine Martin and the BMW. That was in your ALMS days. Uh, 59, but uh, in the old LMS days, <laughs> that dim and distant past. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but yeah, that, that new a new record set last year by Kuna Whitmer, 15-2. But it, I mean, I'm joking about that, Jeremy. But the fact is that nothing stands still year on year, and pretty much everywhere we've gone this year in the new iteration of IMSA. The Tudor United Sports Car Championship lap records have gone. People are, you know, getting their hands on, or have had their hands on the machinery for some time, getting their heads around it. And racing is about moving forward. And if you're not moving forward, you're not just standing still; you're going backwards. Very true. And certainly, you know, it's a super competitive series this year. And um, you know, there might only be, you know, nine and ten cars in the prototype ranks, but. They're competitive cars, and, and the, every race we've seen this year, John, we've had five of them, haven't we, so far, uh, and each of them has been absolutely superb and really, really good racing. And as you say, very, very competitive. They're pushing each other harder and harder, and yeah, we are seeing you know, new lap records on a regular basis. That's cool to see. Which is always a good thing to just kind of put yourself in perspective. Uh, tire development, Continental tires on the majority of the cars in the two, or in fact, all of the cars in the two prototype series. So the open tyre rules still allowed in the GTLM. And Continental Tyres doing a lot of work season on season. The other manufacturers, exactly the same. And nothing stands still. And of course, next year we've got another big change as we have GT3, FIA GT3 cars eligible for the GTD category. That's causing quite a lot of excitement up and down pit lane. Had a long chat with a few people at uh, Watkins Glen International who were able to uh, let me into their plans for next year. Not quite ready to be broadcasting them yet, but already some big names have 
decided that they'll be going to FIA GT3 spec for GTD next year in this category. We've got an interesting situation rumbling away in prototype because the next generation prototypes are due in this series in 2017, which if you say it fast, sounds a very long way away, but in racing terms, Greg, that's just round the corner. Well, I, I mean, think about how quickly when the announcement was made that uh, that the America Le Mans series and Grand Am were going to merge, and we're thinking, you know, when that was done, oh, we got 18 months <laughs> to get all this done and get point. it planned and get this done, and it was like a snap of the fingers, and it was there. It flies, and especially when you're making a change, a significant change in the rules, regulations, equipment that are going to be running, especially when it's in your top category. Uh, it just everything magnifies it and exaggerates a great deal, and it's going to be fascinating to see how this plays out with you know, the announcement of what's to unfold now with the P2 cars on a global level, which, of course, are going to be the significant player in the uh, the Tudor Championship prototype division. Uh, it's just everybody's kind of uh, you know up on the wheel a bit right now and trying to figure out exactly what to do. And that's where you know, I think the wisdom of what Mike Shank did yeah. this year in saying we're going to go with a P2 car now, yeah, we might struggle a bit right you know, off the go here, but that's going to help them, I think, immeasurably. And especially we're hearing talk that they may be looking at a two-car program. Uh, I think what they've done just making that move this year uh, has been a wise one. And boy, should they be quick here. Yeah, great. Look at some of the times in the classes. Earl Bamba's just come into the pit lane in a 912 Porsche. That's number 912. It's not a 912 Porsche. It's, of course, a 911 the latest version of that car. The core team is the works team here in the States. And Nick Tandy, his teammate in the overall 919 hybrid, the winning car at Le Mans, is in second place. So those guys have found a bit of pace. Not always been at the sharp end of the field in dry conditions this year, those Porsches. Antonio Garcia, who's pretty much always been at the sharp end of the field this year in wet, dry, or whatever, in the three Corvette, is third. Then it's Lucas Lerner, the 24 BMW and Pierre Caffer in the 62 Ferrari and as I say that of course Tonio Garcia splits the Porsches and Nick Tandy goes on and off has got a BMW at turn three and it's the black car that's gone off the number 24 machine it is Lucas Lurch just put in the fastest fourth fastest time and he's gone off almost exactly where we had a Camaro on its side earlier on the Mantella car had gone off and he's just missed his braking point drifted over the what used to be concrete now a blackened concrete filler and that car's drifted off the IH3 rewards car normally looking absolutely pristine Jeremy but he's lost that on the turn in to three and four and just as soon as he's on the grass there's no coming back from there but the tyre wall has done its job. It has yeah but again it just shows how quickly things can go wrong here at Canadian Time Motorsport Park I mean just a, a slight error there uh, from that uh, from that car and uh, Lucas Lure in, in the fence right away and you know, he's uh, hopefully fortunate uh, in that, there, you know, hopefully there's not too much damage, but the red flag is out in the session. We're going to have to drag that car away again. He's not going to be driving it back, apparently. Uh, I think there's a, a delay there in race control, just hoping that he can get that car back underway again, drive it back under his own steam. Was but apparently not the case. Was it bodywork damage or was that left front tire? Well, it looked like there may be broken suspension. Uh, on I would think so. It was a pretty so heavy yes, hit. I mean, you know, you, you're going at a, a good speed into that corner. You certainly went into three figures on turning to that corner. 
Uh, he'd already turned, uh, last time around, he turned a, a 116.5, so it was certainly on the case. He wasn't hanging around and um, heavily into tires with the uh, left front of that car. A lot of people think that that may have been uh, the car here this year. Uh, it's always, it, it's, it's a very high downforce GTLM car, which is what you want here. And they recently got a little bit of a break on the restrictor, got that opened up just a little bit where they were suffering with straight line speed, which you need here from Moss all the way up into turn eight, yeah, you and especially your climbing. So you've got to have that straight line. And uh, they, you know, the team had said that's where they were hurt in the past. They got a little help there. So people thought this could be a car that was really going to be a player. But, I mean, every one of them is, isn't it? It's just unbelievable yeah. how close this class is. Yeah, you're right. It's a, it's a super competitive class, just great racing uh, amongst those manufacturers in GTL, in GTLM. And, and it's so close between them. We know it's certainly this season, I think it's fair to say, yeah, the BMW leads the uh, manufacturers championship but but you know, they've had two wins Corvette has two wi had had two wins Porsche has had one win uh, they've had only f they've had five rounds of competition in GTLM because they did not race at Detroit uh, the prototypes have had six races this year but it's it's so close uh, you know the Ferrari hasn't yet won a race this season but probably would have could have should have and it's been knocking on the door and uh, that recent competition team runs at number 62 Ferrari 458 Italia, they've been, they're, they're expecting a strong run this weekend. Well, you know, you take a look at the last well, seven years. There. Yeah. See, that looks to me like that yeah, left front right. corner's got pretty It just didn't seem to turn. He's well past his turning point, and he hasn't made any attempt to go around the corner. The right-hander, it's an uphill entry to that corner, Jeremy, and yeah. normally if you can get it somewhere near, the, the hill starts to slow you down and the car comes back in towards the apex. That's very odd indeed there for Lucas. I don't think he ever got it swung far enough back to the left. He looked like, and, and you, you don't get over there, you don't get to where the grip is. Well, no, it just, you're right, it didn't seem to turn. When he did, yeah. but he, he got on the, uh, it's a heavy impact for Lucas Lure, and I think, you know, whether there was damage, whether there was something that caused that incident, I don't know, but it certainly appears to have some left front damage on the suspension on that car. The car, again, didn't look too bad, did it, when he was sitting there in the grass, but Lucas Lure clearly unable to drive that car home, and he will get a ride back in the Porsche intervention vehicle. And it's not going to polish out for RLL uh, either. There is some work there. I, I mean, yeah. the car looks fabulous. It's in that uh, retro livery from the first year, 1975, from the first year of... BMW Motorsport. Well, the left front tyre looks... It is working. The Michelin no, still has, uh, has still got air in it. And well, let's hope there's nothing underneath that bodywork that needs, uh, particularly needs looking at. And that they can get that car back out the set. It's going to need a new uh, rear view mirror. That uh, was ripped off in the incident. The hardy workers who have already uh, been called into... Action a couple of times this morning uh, for a couple of incidents in the earlier sessions. One right in front of us here where John Gutz was uh, helped into the wall. Driver's left on the final corner. Coming out of the final corner, his Porsche, uh, his Porsche Carrera Cup car ending up almost all on its wheels. But with the right rear hiked, hiked up in the air on the tyre wall, having done a roll, having been rolled, got a little bit of an assist to that. Uh, and then we had the Camaro in the wall, a not dissimilar place that Lucas Lewis just had his accident. That car ended up on its 
right hand side the bottom of the car was in pristine condition we can tell the team that that's not an issue uh, there's absolutely no problem there at all so good opportunity early on this weekend whilst we're on the PA on the 90.7 FM and 454 around the circuit to thank in advance uh, all of our volunteer corner workers marshals flaggers and other officials for giving of their time to allow us to indulge ourselves in our favourite pastime, i.e. motor racing. And uh, we applaud you and say thank you for your dedication around the circuit, whichever job you're doing. We know that we can't go motor racing without you. And uh, again, I was racing last weekend in a mixed category event with cars that were seriously quicker than what we were driving down the streets and blue flags are so so useful particularly when you don't drive very much like I do just to concentrate the mind and remind you to have a look in the mirrors before you turn in so thank you to everyone here this weekend and perhaps any marshals around the world who are getting ready to go out for their weekend it's a busy weekend of motorsport back in Europe particularly this weekend with uh, the LMS at the Red Bull Ring in Austria. Bruce and Johnny covering that on our sister service, RadioLamont.com in sound and vision. And we'll have some pictures for you as well on IMSA.com from this weekend towards uh, uh, the sharper end of the weekend with both the main races being covered. Getting a chance to just uh, review the incident again while well, there was a lot up by Lucas Lurt. Mm. Before he went in, Nick Tandy was the next person on the scene and he had no problems at all. It just didn't want to turn, though, Jeremy. That's an odd one. No, but the, you, you talked about the lockup there, and you can see there's, there's tarmacs there. I mean, it was locked up the whole way from um, from basically when he locked, when he, when it, whatever, whatever happened on the turn-in went wrong, he was locked up all the way in. So, you know, the car's not going to turn when it's locked up. Um, well, certainly. I wonder, I, 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 just you know, thinking about it here, guys, this track is really easy on brakes which means it wasn't a brake failure, obviously, early in a session from excessive use, but it's so easy on brakes that they often have to tape off ducks to try and get heat in the brakes, and if, it, if those brakes were really cold and he went to them, sometimes when brakes are cold like that, nothing happens, and then they just lock. Uh, just, I mean, it was, it was so early in the session. That's what's... Yeah, know. he'd done half a dozen yeah. laps. It wasn't... Uh, yeah. He'd done, actually done eight laps yeah. in the car, so, um, you know... Uh, you yeah, think only see. Lucas. Right? Well, yeah, only Lucas knows. <laughs> he, th there was a look of concern on his face when he was out the car. Yeah. I mean, he got himself out the car. Let's make that clear. Uh, he was talking to the safety crews, but there was a, a, a sort of look of consternation and almost of disbelief on his face as he got out, as much as to say that he didn't really understand what had happened either. It might be an interesting chat that uh, Shea Adam can have down in the pit lane. She joins us as part of our Continental Tire pit lane reporting squads share what do you have well being at canadian tire motorsport park who better to talk to than a canadian and chris coming it's sort of a home track for you yeah it's on the wrong side of the country but uh it's good to be back at Mosport, and welcome back you weren't here last year yeah it really is nice to be back here i love this track it's uh, great living in canada even though I, i'm from vancouver of course this is uh is basically a home race for me now, you had some success here back, uh, not last year, but the year before, where you guys had a, a fairly decent race, and you've also had success in GTC cars, but what, what do you think about racing PC cars at Mosport? Is there something special about it? 
Yeah, I mean, this, uh, this is the type of track that's made for uh, these type of cars. Um, so, you know, high downforce, uh, high, high minimum corner speeds, uh, it's a lot of fun. You drove Le Mans in an actual prototype, a P2 car, and now you're coming back to Mosport with that experience behind you. Do you think that'll help you through some of the trickier points of track when those P cars are coming to lap you? Yeah, you know, I think so. Um, well, I, I, I think, you know, Le Mans is a high-commitment track in some corners, and, uh, and so is this. And so that kind of experience, uh, yeah, it, it goes in the memory bank, and I think it helps. Now, you guys had sort of a forgettable race at Watkins Glen, I think is the best way to put it, but you kept powering on through. Your team did not give up, and that was really admirable that, that you kept pushing towards it. How good would a win be for your crew this weekend? Well, yeah, I mean, I, you know, we've had, a, we've had a bit of a scrappy start to the year. Um, the, the one race where nothing, nothing went wrong for us, we, we won the race. Um, and uh, I think we can achieve that again here today. Um, yeah, you know, Watkins Glen, we had to power on. We had to make sure that I got my minimum drive time. Um, and uh, you never know what can happen if you just keep going in these races. Keep going, and the green flag is back out, so cars are back out on track. Thank you, Shea. Continental Tide Pit Lane reporter Shea Adam, and we'll uh, be hearing more from her throughout the rest of the weekend, rotating uh, through with uh, some other voices down there in the pit lane as well. Those other voices are Greg Kramer and Jeremy Shaw, alongside me, John Hindhoff, in the booth. Uh, the BMW is almost already back in the paddock area as the green flag is waved again. The flatbed is just coming down into the back of the paddock now, right in front of us. So the Rahal Letterman Lanigan team will be able to have a look at that car and it start thinking about getting it back into its pristine condition in that fabulous retro livery we were talking about. And B, trying to work out what the heck happened. Because that was a bit of an odd one. We all looked at each other here with furrowed brow. And we've between us, I would think, seen pretty much every type of car accident in, the, in our careers, but that was a real head-scratcher. Lucas Lurt is a very experienced driver. Uh, he had a car underneath him that had done a few laps. It wasn't as if it was his outlap. Nothing seemed to be loose or fall off it. It just didn't want to turn right going up that hill. Very odd indeed, and that's a could well be a bit of a confidence shaker for Lucas, although he's a pro. He'll jump back in and attack it the next time around. So cars back out on the circuit. It's Ricky Taylor now in the number 10 Wayne Taylor Racing Corvette DP. Just come out of the pit. Oh, just Sorry, in the pit. Has not come out, but he's got the fastest time. A 110.451. 110.66 for Dan Cameron in the 31. The red and white Action Express car. What a season Action Express are having. They are really staking their claim. Then it's the six of Joao Barbosa. Scratch that, that's the five, I can't see. <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> bit, a, a bit of fuzz on the monitor. Then the nine, thank you, you're very kind. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just old eyes, Greg. Richard Westbrook in the 90s in fourth. Scott Pruitt going out in the 0-1, the Ford EcoBoost. Then Colin Brown is the best of the PC cars in the 54. In GTLM, it's the 911 of Nick Tandy from Antonio Garcia in the three. That Garcia time just popped up as we went red flag. Then York Bergmike, at least Lucas Lur, by the way, in the 24, is still fourth quickest. That That is why, again, you know, that wasn't a couple of slow laps from 
Lucas beforehand. He, he had a car, Greg, that that was up to up to speed and up to pace. Yeah, I mean, it, it, at one point, I think he had been up into the top two, and then we saw the time by uh, Garcia jump up there and push him back a notch. Uh, with the uh, the Porsches of uh, Tandy and Bamber at the time. Now it's Jörg Bergmeister in the, in the 912 Porsche, but he had been very, very quick. Yeah, it is confusing, and I think I think that was that look of consternation on his face that you pointed out, because I think something happened, whether it was something in the steering that wouldn't allow him. As I said, it just looked like, to me, he never got back to the left as you would normally set up for turn three. You know, whether it was a steering issue uh, that didn't allow him to do that or whether it was just uh, some other issue or braking issue, whatever, obviously they're going to be concerned about it. I think, as you said, that confidence factor, one, Lucas is a pro. He'll get out. He'll send something in the car pretty quickly and know. Also, I think you've got tremendous faith in that team, BMW, Ray Hill, Letterman, Lanigan, uh, in getting that car sorted out back on track and uh, as a, uh, a, a tool you can flog just a little bit. So I think he'll be fine with that. Uh, currently fifth in GTLM, the 62 Reese Competizione car, which, oh, I was going to talk about that. Uh, even though they haven't had the win this year, in the last seven years that they've run at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park, three wins, three seconds, three poles. So this is a track that that, that Ferrari at 458 Italia goes real well at. Could not have better weather as we're heading towards the half distance point of this one hour session 32 minutes still to run perfect this morning as we arrived and subsequently just buzzing around the paddock it is t-shirt weather got the uh, spider gt clothing on the wicking capabilities not required uh, for us this morning very very temperate indeed few little white clouds in the sky but barely taking the edge off the sunshine it is perfect hardly a breath of wind good track conditions a couple of the support series already on track this morning so starting to get a little bit of rubber on here after the rainfall earlier in the week and not nearly as humid as we used to as well that's this time yeah that's yeah. a that's Very a big factor points, well i mean you know, it's it's hard on everybody isn't it the humidity it's hard if you're here watching uh, and particularly hard if you're driving the cars as well. So everybody, I think, is certainly very grateful to have the weather conditions we have right now. Absolutely perfect, I'd say. Improvement there for Aussie Negri and kind of a 60 goes second yeah. fastest. Uh, Aussie driving that Michael Shank racing kind of a 60. That's a Ligier uh, uh, chassis with the Honda engine. And asked, uh, I saw Aussie a little while ago, there, what did you do last weekend, Aussie? Did you do much? Uh, no, not really. Did a, a triathlon, <laughs> in which you finished fifth. So hats off to you, Ozzy. Well done. Can you tell him to stop yeah, doing exactly. things? Like you know, this is the, the, it's like talking to Ollie Gavin, who runs you know s sub whatever two oh. hours. Oh, and the 85 car off Oops. again. At this is that the same point of the circuit, or is that up at Moss Corner? So the 85 PC car with Mikhail Golk Goikberg at the wheel, one of the graduates up from the Cooper Tires prototype. Lights, cars in the previous years. Turn five, yeah, it is up at the top of the hill at Moss Corner. To and he's gone straight on in an odd place as well, Jeremy. Yeah, that's a very odd place to go off. Well, he, com he comes down the hill. He's got a Corvette ah. ahead of him. And he uh, did he clip the curb on the left-hand side before he went in? 
kind the of hook to wheel, didn't it? That's yeah. really bizarre. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen that before. <laughs> Having said, we've seen pretty much everything. Crikey. We've had two crashes this morning that are leaving us scratching our heads. I mean, that's, that's easy flat out coming down the hill there through the left-hander. Where the old bridge used to be. Yeah, and just sort of kind of hooked to wheel on the inside maybe and just uh, just got away from him. So uh, he's up there. He's, I don't think he's not made, hopefully, too heavy contact but it is just kind of beached in the uh, right rear wheel leg beached in a gravelly he, he didn't hit the wall on the left hand side of the track but he went up there into the into the tires and it is uphill so you'll scrub up a little bit of speed plus with a gravel with a gravel trap as well that will also help to try and drive it out if, if the if the left front wheel is still connected to the steering rack yes that's my only worry about that everybody comes in the red flag is out scott pruitt brings the Ford EcoBoost prototype in. And as we were saying before, we were so rudely interrupted there. Ozzy Negri had just <laughs> gone second fastest in car number 60. As we're going to get another replay of that uh, incident coming down the hill here. I don't know what happened. Did he pinch? He didn't look like he pinched it that much. I don't see he's done that much wrong there, no, if I'm honest, guys. Well, really you know, all, all I can think is, remember, we had a long red flag, and if those tires wow. weren't quite up to temp yeah, and he was on it a little too hard, it just looked like that back end just suddenly... Stepped out. Well, he'd done a lap of 14.8 last time around. So it's it's not as if he hadn't already got a bit of life and soul into the tyres. No, because the best he'd done was a 14.6. was only yeah. a couple of tenths Yeah, quicker, he was so pretty much on his pace there. Yeah, very strange incident. Didn't look one. like he was offline too much. And unless something gave way at the rear end, because it did rather chop round on him. Poor Mikhail. Very uh, much a passenger from when he hit the side. Not a lot of runoff on driver's left there. And in fairness, he's been uh, very lucky. He hasn't wiped the side of the car on the concrete, which is not protected down there. No, because he went off so, so far to the left there. You missed sort of most of the gravel trap. Yeah. He was just kind of on the fringe of the gravel trap. So, uh, yeah, again. Yeah, that car problem. might drive. He stayed in the car, Greg. And uh, they've got the toe strop on from the, the Chevy safety vehicle. One of the... Uh, one of the rescue Cars. workers went over and looked at that left yes. front tire, and he, he seemed to think that Mikhail had you know, moved it and that it was there. I think it's just that that right rear yeah. dug in, and now the car's kind of high-sided where the grass and the gravel trap meets and buried down. So if they can get it pulled out, he might well be able to uh, to drive it, uh, I would think, circumspectly. That's back what to he's the planning. Place. So, <laughs> hopefully, uh, the best laid plans will come yes, to fruition indeed. for Mikhail Goitberg and he'll get it back. And uh, yeah, he's it's the left guy. rear, though. There's ah, the problem. Now, so, cause or effect on the left rear, gentlemen? Did that collapse and pitch him in? Or is that from. Well, I didn't see that hit make any contact, of course. It could have broken when he was bouncing along sideways. But that. Yep. I, that's, I think, uh, a, a contender, isn't it, for a for a reasoning for that, Greg? I think so, absolutely. Because you do, even though the load would be on the right side, you still are using the inside edge of that uh, of that unloaded tire for grip. And if that suddenly collapses and pitches, you know, you could easily have that step out. And you noticed on the left front, we're watching on the monitors uh, where the splitter is. When he got sideways, he just pitched up a bunch of grass like he just mowed it onto the mm. track. And if it pivoted like that, that's where that, that left front would have He's dug in and car. thrown that grass right up. He's so, yeah. out the car now. That car is going to need to be recovered. 26 and a half minutes still to run in the session. Let's uh, dive down to the pits and share Adam. 
Brian Sellers, you're probably the most popular man in the paddock today. You're coming off of a very big win. You guys are third in points. And uh, Canadian Tire Motorsport Park kind of resembles Watkins Glen. Is the Porsche strong this weekend already? There's definitely a lot of similarities in terms of corner types, high speed, high load corners. Um, and hopefully we can roll over some momentum from Watkins Glen to here, although the conditions seem to be significantly different. I kind of prefer this a little bit more, but uh, I, it's hard to tell. It's early in the first session. I think everyone's just trying to kind of get a grasp on things. It takes a little bit of time to get going quick here. Um, and historically, the Porsche has been pretty good here over the past uh, few years. They've won some races, so hopefully that's the case. Um, there's one sitting on the top of the timesheets right now, so we'll see how the session plays out, but um, you know, we're optimistic at the moment. Your personal best finish here is fourth. How badly do you want to get on that podium? Yeah, I've had some heartbreaks here. I mean, there's been a couple times where um, when I was early in my sports car career with uh, with the Panos where we were really quick and chasing down the leaders one time we ran out of fuel and so it's this is a place that you know kind of never has everything's really clicked so I'd love to stand on the podium here it's and it's a cool event you always want to stand on the podium where the fans are great and they appreciate motorsports and I don't think you see that uh, too many places better than here I mean already there's campers lined up everywhere so uh, those are always the ones that are great to be on the podium for you and Wolf have been driving together for a very long time and now there's a number three next to where you guys are on the point standings so if you're in second and have the opportunity to go for the win as the race is winding down, do you maybe stay there and take those valuable points? Well, I think it's it's still pretty early in the season. I, you, you don't want to say this is the, the easy part of the season, but in terms of difficulty, I mean, it kind of is. The second half of the season is where everything really turns. The competition ramps up even more than it already has. Um, and, but I think personally... You, you can't really race four points. I think you, you race to your best position. And if you feel like you can win, then you have to race for the win. And if you feel like a second-place car is all you have, then you have to be smart enough to take that. And, um, you know, I don't think... I, I kind of don't think we've ever been in this position before this late in the season to to really think about it. So it's not even something that's really on our radar at the moment. I think we just continue to try and do the best we can every single weekend. And if at the end of it all, you know, we're good enough to fight for the championship, then then we are. And if, uh, and if we're not, then that's unfortunate. But we're not going to try any less because of it. Some interesting tracks left on the calendar this year. Which are you most excited about and which are you dreading the most? Or maybe no, least excited about, let's put it that way. The, the second half of the season has a good lineup. I mean, we come here, we go to Road America, Austin, Petit Le Mans. Uh, I mean, there's no real bad tracks. Um, historically, for us, Road America has been a difficult track, which is a shame because it's one of the best tracks in the world. So you want to you wanna be good there and be able to enjoy every moment of it. Um, and I left VIR off that list as well. But, uh, I mean, I think that's, that's our tough one, really tough one that we have coming up but we tested there we figured some things out we know a direction we kind of need to go in now it's just a matter of that direction actually accomplishes what we need it to um and you don't know until you get there so when you win at road america we'll know that you were just kidding around with us right <laughs> yeah exactly then i can tr attribute it all to the stuff we learned in the test thanks brian have fun out there thanks have a good weekend
Brian Sellers had a very good weekend with Wolf Hensler uh, last time out. And with the GT Le Mans GTE driving uh, scene about to be shaken up with the entry of Ford, uh, there's a young man who is without a drive at the moment for next year. And surely, uh, surely as <laughs> one of the best American GT drivers out there at the moment, must be on a short list uh, somewhere. Jimmy Bruni is re-signed for Ferrari, which uh, might not seem like that's a big story, but there was another manufacturer who tried very hard to poach him away. And it wasn't Ford, by the way. Uh, and Jimmy has, uh, has decided to stay with Ferrari, but I know for sure that uh, that was touch and go from, oh, I must have been before Le Mans that we were uh, hearing about that. So there's a seat that's, that remains at Ferrari, but there are still going to be seats up for grabs at various other uh, good teams uh, when, Ford, uh, when Ford put their four teams together. Uh, that's, you know, a minimum of eight drivers for the regular season and then add another four drivers in for, for Le Mans and possibly for some of the longer races over here in IMSA uh, as well. And I, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see some of the drivers that we have seen in this series driving for other manufacturers being asked uh, serious questions about their futures and having to make, in fairness, Greg, some tough decisions. Because if you're already with the manufacturer, if you're not with a manufacturer, even if you're with a very good private team, a manufacturer comes calling. No team in the world, no private team in the world is going to be good you moving over. In fact, they'll probably shake your hand, pat you on the back and send you, send you off with their blessing. But if you're already with a manufacturer team, jumping ship into a, into a new developing situation, it's not just about the money, the finances. It, it, it's going to be a tough decision for some of these guys who will be getting asked. I think you're absolutely right in the opportunities there. And I think the Brian situation is a classic example of it. He's got this deep connection, obviously, with Porsche, though he's not a Porsche factory driver. He's Good the point. Falcon Tire factory driver uh, for their R&D program. But he's got the connection. He's got that driving history with Wolf, who is a Porsche factory driver. It's been and a when good pairing. Yeah, oh, it's a strong pairing. And when you're looking at what Porsche had to do this year, you know, asking Bamber and Tandy to leave GT and run the third hybrid, which was a Cinderella story, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. But all that happening, there's opportunity there, I would think, for Brian to become a Porsche factory driver. But if that's not in the cards, I think you have a great point, and I think it would be really, really smart for Ford, uh, you know, to get a driver with GTLM or GTE experience that can only help the sorting and development of that car. I hear pretty good rumors that Joey Hand is more than likely going to be part of that program, you would think. And, of course, a lot of experience in, in, in GT with another manufacturer a, a few years back. So that's one. But I think there's some dominoes out there. But you're absolutely right. When you've got that long, even if you're not at this stage a factory driver, you've got a long relationship with the manufacturer, that's a tough thing to just say, well, I'm going to give it a go and switch here. And, and Jeremy, we know because we've seen this happen over the last 15, 16 years that we've been looking at sports cars going around circuits over here in North America, in the North American continent, that it's not always just a case of plucking a good European driver and dropping into a team here. And certainly the Ganassi squad coming into the GT ranks here next year with the Ford GT, 
it would make sense for them to have people who know the circuits already so they're not having to develop and learn the car at the same time as, as learn new tracks. No, that's true. Uh, certainly, you know, there's a, uh, there's a school of thought out there, even over here, that, yeah, you have to have European drivers to do well. Um, I think that's um, been debunked by several people, including, of course, Brian Sellers. Great to see him. Yeah, there's plenty of Americans here who can get the job done. But you're right, for, you know, for, the, for the WC program for that, for, uh, for, that, for the Ford GT next year, it certainly would, have, would make sense to have somebody with some European background in there so they do at least know most of those tracks to start off with. Um, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of decisions that are going to be made, and uh, it's it's certainly great for GTLM that we get a new manufacturer coming in. And as far as what uh, Greg was saying about Joey Hand, I would be astounded <laughs> if he wasn't in there because yeah. it, it is my understanding that one of the reasons he went there was because he was hired to drive the GT. We didn't know at the time that that GT, it was only about six people in Ford, knew that that GT was being built in the, the Skunk Works, where at the moment they're working on a new project. It's called Project Phoenix. And the details of that are very sketchy, but it's another sports car project. Read into that what you will. The, you look at Scott Maxwell, look at the experience that he's got, and he's still got strong connections to Ford and indeed to Multimatic, who will be developing the car for the racing here and on behalf of Ganassi and racing it themselves in the FIA World Endurance Championship so you'd expect him to be a part of that but that still leaves probably two full season drivers uh, for the other car over here and the additional drivers for the for the long races as for the the guys for the WEC again I'd be astounded if they didn't have there's been some very big names that have been and uh, teams of drivers that have been mentioned to me who have, have been already connected to Ford. And again, I would expect Ford to want to take people who knew the FIA World Endurance Championship. It makes sense for people not to have to take too much of a leap into the unknown when you're de still developing. I mean, the first race for that car is... Well, two weeks next Tuesday, isn't it? It seems to be. It's, it's, it's going to be a day <laughs> exactly. Um And th the car is tested. but It was tested it, last week, actually. Yeah. Um, it's in a couple of tests now. But, you know, th it's not a long time. You, you, you're going to be still finding things out about that program in your first year of racing, no doubt. And just to maybe start a little snowball thing going here. Oh, dear. Uh, <laughs> about a sense. Put the lawyers on alert. Of, of history with a modern tilt to it, mm -hmm. if it's going to be running in the World Endurance Championship, mm -hmm. if it's going to be running at Le Mans, mm -hmm. how about in one of those Fords have a young man named Gurney? <laughs> just Not the first person to have mentioned that. Just throwing that. that out there. But, you know, what I was going to say about Sellers is that let's not well, forget. Give he's the anniversary as well. Oh, I know. Next huh? year. I know. That's that exactly. Um, but getting back to Sellers, let's not forget he started an open wheel. So not I mean, obviously, I think a factory GT program is where he'd like to be. But boy, wouldn't it be fun to see him wheeled, you know, wheeling around a, a prototype again? Mm -hmm. uh, that would be a lot of fun too. So he deserves a top-flight, yeah. solid factory drive. Yeah, class, no and, class, yeah. Act class act is the in and out of the car, and that's uh, that is so important. And has days. a very cute. Uh, son as well. Excellent for publicity pro, uh, photographs, That's just right. in case anybody from Ford is listening. The next generation. 
<laughs> we're not on commission for Brian, <laughs> by the way. Although it might sound like like we are. No, we're just fans. Shit, Adam is down in the pit lane. Ron Fellows is uh, someone you were talking about earlier, John, as having run into. And guess where I found him? In the Corvette racing area. Ron, you just can't stay away, can you? Absolutely not. No. Plus, they still pay me even better. <laughs> well, they do have quite the record at this circuit. I mean, a ridiculous number of wins. You've got Jan Magnussen in one car with five wins, and then Ollie Gavin in the other car with four. But don't you have quite a few around this place? I'm, I'm guessing we probably have a few, yeah. Yeah, it would be a, a different uh, Corvette model, but no. That, you know, this is, uh, this, this is a bucket list track for drivers, and, you know, the Corvette has always been very well suited for anything high speed. You know, this is uh, it's such a great fun track to drive. You know, long, fast corners, you get the elevation, and, uh, I mean, I get goosebumps talking about it. Well, you have an important role within Canadian Tire Motorsport Park, but what is your role this weekend when the race is on and Corvettes here as well? Well, you know, you know I, with with Corvette racing, my, my job is I work I work more as ambassador advisor, and uh, obviously with being in a being a co-owner here at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park, we've got uh, certainly Sunday's going to be a busy day keeping everybody happy, and and uh, um, you know our new event center, we've got lots of lots of guests in there, and and certainly. Uh, our grand marshal, this five-year-old Oliver Ferguson, we're trying to help do a little fundraising for he and his family. So yeah, it's a it's a it's a busy weekend, but hey, the weather's going to be awesome. That's the best news. And anyone who comes to com to Canada complains that it's hot, they can just get out, right? Yes. Absolutely, go home. This is as good as it gets. <laughs> well, Ron, it's a very exciting weekend for you. It's great for Corvette, and yeah. they need to try and sort of get back to their winning ways. The four got the win at Le Mans, but they still don't have a win over here in this series. What do you think, having watched this team from the sidelines all year, what do you think they need to do to get back to that top step of the podium? Well, you know, I think I think the uh, you know the the long races really suit the team, and uh, you know it's, it's the sprint races that. You know that the, the team doesn't get uh, doesn't really get a chance to, uh, in terms of the strategy, to really exercise themselves. And they, you know they they still massaging the car. They they need, they need a little bit more speed, and and it's coming. But they're tough to beat in the long races for sure. And we have no doubt who Ron Fellows will be cheering for. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Jay. Yeah, three wins for Ronnie here. Yeah, and we were expecting the same at Le Mans. Uh, but he's just had some shoulder surgery on his uh, left shoulder, an old injury that he had a few years ago, has flared up again. And uh, he told me this morning he was actually en route to Le Mans and then decided it probably wasn't a great idea to go, having just had that surgery a week or so prior to his trip. And he's really cursing himself now that he didn't, <laughs> that he didn't go. But it just hasn't changed in the you know decade and a half that, that I've been... Um, Proud to say I've known the man. He's uh, I've spent a couple of long, longish internal flights in the United States and up here to Canada um, on seats next to him and uh, Linda and the family. And, uh, smashing people, really good racing oh, people, and and as you said, just good folk. Yeah. yeah, and what a great choice, by the way, to to head up the changes. Oh yeah, here. Because, you know, his his career started here. He's got real passion for the place, as you heard there in that interview with Continental Ty Pitley and reporter Shea Adam. And, you know, the last thing he was ever going to do was change the challenge for the drivers. There were certain things that needed changing, needed updating, and 
I think everybody understood that those things have been done and by the way when we saw the artist impressions of the things that was going on everyone went yeah yeah it's never going to look like that it looks exactly <laughs> like it was in fact as you drive in it still looks as pristine as the artist impression ever did when we first saw it about five five years ago so congratulations to ron and the rest of the team here i know you'd say it's a team effort as it certainly is but this is unrecognizable in terms of of the facilities and the ease of working yeah. as it used to be uh, downstairs the guys in the press room are just sitting working away quite quietly there with internet and all of that sort of good stuff and that's the thing about this place thing john i mean it's always been a fabulous racetrack but it's, but it's been a, you know, a, a backwater and you know it's not the sort of place that you'd really you know bring your corporate guests to let's face it it was mm -hmm. it was uh, it was real real old school yes. but not really in a good way mm -hmm. i mean the facilities needed to be upgraded and that's and that they've done absolutely magnificently in this whole uh, section here at the top of the hill uh, is is really really first class now, and it's just transformed the ambiance of the racetrack for the for the corporate side of things. You know, the, the the camping side of it is still great, always has been, but that's been enhanced as well with uh, better better areas for camping and certainly sight lines for spectators. And uh, just top to bottom, the track has been uh, upgraded and just just brought into the you know into a, still a, the, the modern of, era still one of my favorite yeah. places to to come and i remember in the early years of my association with sports car racing out here taking a very early digital camera which was press and wait two seconds before the shutter actually worked and a nice long canon lens and standing you're not allowed to stand there now and rightly so standing driver's right is the turn in for turn two and taking pictures of uh, Alan McNish and Ralph Kellners driving the 911, the champion 911 Evo. In fact, it wasn't even an Evo that year, so that would have been 99, I guess, here. And I was looking up at them, and it was just a great circuit to walk around. You and I went out in the boonies a couple of years ago, didn't we, Jeremy, and watched them coming out of Moss Corner. Yeah. Still great to do that, get around this place. It is, as you say, a proper old school racing circuit where the drivers feel like they make a difference and long may that yeah. continue Craig. well and i mean you get up on the hill that's on driver's right uh at turn two and you see them mm -hmm. all the way from one through two up into three the viewing points the speed into turn eight over there you get on the outside over there it's just it's staggering but what i wanted to point out something about uh, you know ron was talking about the uh, the uh and everything that's been done here. He said one of the proudest moments, he said there was a sandwich that was sold by the concession stands here for a very, very long time. And he said, no issues. He said, earlier this year, he said, we had a call from a certain uh, fast food chain that said they'd really appreciate it if we would change the name of that sandwich. And he said... We took that as a huge amount of pride and recognition that we were firmly now, it, we, we were making big enough splashes that we were on their radar now to please Hopefully. not call that sandwich McMosport is what it was. Oh, yeah? And uh, he said that was actually kind of cool. He said things are really happening here. And he was, you know, that was the lighthearted side of it. But you're absolutely right. And I think you make the good point, Jeremy, about, you know, I was, you know, when I, my first association with Ron was in the late 80s when I started announcing Trans Am. And that's when he was very much a driver on the rise and, and was a gun and you would come to this place and you wouldn't get the teams this was the one where the teams wouldn't necessarily bring mm -hmm. their sponsors their corporate hospitality guests and the like because of the physical plant not the track and uh, now it's as it's superb and i think uh, i 
that's huge in this day and age. Jordan Taylor still with the fastest time at 10 4.51. Yeah. And it's, it's just, just looking down the times there, John, it's so super close here. We've got yeah. the top, what, six cars within eight tenths of a second. Jordan Taylor still fast. I think it was Ricky who set that time. One ten four five one earlier in the session, his brother, uh, Ricky and Jordan Taylor. Jordan driving the car now, that kind of a 10 coming off of Moss Corner at the Marandredi straight in inverted commas second place then is Ozzy Negri set the car at number 60 John Pugh is driving that car at the moment last time he ran he turned a 13.9 for John Pugh uh, third fastest the number 31 Action Express Coyote Corvette Eric Curran sharing the car with Dane Cameron it's Dane Cameron who set the 1 minutes 10.660 then number 5 car the sister Action Express racing entry Christian Fittipaldi and Joao Barbosa I think it was Joao set at the time with 10.765. So it's top four cars come by three tenths of a second. And you go back in the other classes, it's just as, just as close there as well. Uh, Colin Brown set the fastest car on 54 in PC, a 111.7. Uh, Renga van der Zender in number eight car, a 12.1. And in GTLM, uh, just got, an, actually, as I say there, just got a new fastest time. It was the Corvette of Antonio Garcia, who's fastest, a 15.771. As I said, that Nick Tandy gone back to the top with the Porsche, kind of a 9.11, a 115.686. And one second covers the entire field in GTLM. And, and that's been bouncing backwards and forwards yes. right the way through this session with just five minutes to go in the Tudor United Sports Car Championship free practice one. Live on IMSA Radio from Canadian Time Motorsport Park. Jeremy Shaw, you heard there. It's Greg Kramer and me, John Hindorf, in the booth with our Continental Tire Sports Car reporter for this session, Shea Adam, taking uh, a break from some lake life on the, uh, on the beautiful lake areas that are, what, a couple of hours or so, if that, away from where we're standing now. Such a great area of the world to be in. And I have, have to say that for once, I had the opportunity to uh, to sample it rather than just be in work and home again. So that's a, a been a bit of a change uh, this time around for me. It only take me 15 years to uh, <laughs> to get to the lake up here. Yes. Well, we're right Probably on the, the edge the of what they call cottage country Co here. Yeah. And you go just a little, actually kind of where we're staying now, just a little bit east of here um, in, in Peterborough. And you just go north of that, and it is lake country extraordinaire. It's, it's phenomenal up there. Uh, uh, cottage is the generic term for anything that is not your full-time 365-day-year home because having Bill Adam, uh, a great former colleague of ours and a fabulous driver in his own right, of course, um, spent a couple of great years working with, uh, with Bill. Having Bill taking us around the lakes and river areas uh, on the Eliminator, very nice 28-foot Eliminator the other day, um, some of those cannot be classed as cottages, but yeah. so, somehow <laughs> it's not as quaint when you say my country estate that is in fact a compound or a whole island. Uh, some very big names people have uh, holiday homes up here, but apparently it's, it's the done thing to call them, as Greg says, cottage country. Maybe um, you get a different mortgage rate if it's called the cottage, <laughs> so that's what you go with. <laughs> Okay, I'll go with <laughs> I'll go with that. And one thing we should mention here, just bec uh, because it, the fans around the track here are certainly listening into our call, and I think mm. they would like a little acknowledgement of this. How sweet do you think it is for Burnby's Michael Valiente mm -hmm. 
to come to Mosport, to Canadian Tire Motorsport Park, as the point leader with his team. Yeah. And how much do you think this crowd is just amped about that? Well, I mean, I think you know, for, for the local fans here, we've got just so much to cheer about this yeah, weekend. Absolutely. Yeah, Michael. Yeah, Michael's from the other the other side of the country, but at least yes, he is at least a Canadian. Uh, Chris Cumming, we heard from a little while ago from Shay. Adam, uh, he's also from Vancouver area, but again, you're Canadian, so loving the opportunity to race in his home country. But in the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge, I mean, there's a whole slew of drivers here from the Toronto area uh, who are going to be mm-hmm. c- campaigning there. That's, Absolutely. That's gonna be, Where's Carl uh, Marcelli from? Barry, just. Yeah, just, I was, was going to say, I, drove, I yeah. drove through Barry on the, on the way up. That's on the 400 extension, isn't it? Yeah, uh, on the way up north from, uh, from, from Toronto. Uh, the great Skorka, part of right? Masoka, yeah. Masoka. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Scott Maxwell got the new, that, that Ford yep. uh, GT350 so, RC. Yep. It's first, it's pole and it's first outing at the Glen. I mean, yeah. lots happening for some very yeah, that's, talented that's Canadian gonna be That's yeah. going to be fun to watch here in qualifying. That's this uh, afternoon. And that it? will be live here on IMSA Radio across the weekend as we take in all of the IMSA sanctioned series. Over on RadioLeMond.com, we'll have the Master MX-5 Championship. Uh, and, of course, uh, on Sunday as well, uh, over on RadioLamont.com, it's the four hours of the... See, I nearly called it the Osterreich ring. Four hours of Austria. <laughs> uh, it's the Red Bull ring with Johnny and Bruce bringing you coverage of that. So no excuse for missing any of the action this weekend in sound and vision on IMSA Radio and our sister service, RadioLamont.com. Good to see the 17 car putting in some decent times, although it's at the back of the field at the moment of an eight-car field, but well, as Jeremy said, you know, less than a second away. Yeah, and it was at the back of the field in terms of times at Watkins Glen a couple of weeks was ago. Well, how do they do at the end of the weekend? Hmm, top step of the podium, top I see. Top step of the podium, there you go, yeah. Absolutely right, but uh, talking of fastest time, Nick Tandy d- he improved again. Uh, got it down to 115.388 now. That's hauling, isn't that, it? That, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's a pretty good lap. It's down within a tenth of a second or so of the lap record here set last year by Kuno Whitmer, a local driver. That was in the uh, SRT Viper. Unfortunately, not here this year. No, but he's had some good news this week he has, because has, he's been co-opted great. onto the GTD driving squad uh, for Aston Martin for TRG, and he will do the rest of the season with Christina Nielsen uh, replacing James Davison. There's other commitments on uh, various series, but uh, yeah, oh, Kuno did a super job for them at Watkins. Had the incident at the end, but uh, was uh, very fast up until if then. That was, uh, if, if that was his job uh, interview, I think he pretty well nailed it, if, uh, if I'm honest. So Jordan Taylor's going to be credited, I think, with the fastest time, or at least the 10 car. It's Ricky Taylor, his uh, teammate and brother, who put in the 1 minute 10.451. That car's in the pits now. John Pugh and Oz Negri in the Michael Shank Racing number 60 Ligier. That's a car in second position with a 110.6. What colour scheme has that got this weekend? Is it still in the blue? Because I have to say I haven't seen it. The 60 car? Yeah. No, I had a different scheme last week, two weeks ago. It's a uh, an bright orange, orange again. Yeah, bright orange yeah. gets right, really okay. sharp. The guy who was fastest in the session was Ricky Taylor. And Ricky, that was a good lap he put in early on. Prototype feels stronger than it did last year. You got a third place last year. Yeah, um, the car is very good. We tested here on Tuesday. Um, so we're fresh. We, we got a good feel for the track in these conditions. Um, definitely faster than last year. Uh, that was 
only a tenth off of uh, my qualifying time from last year. So um, I think we've got a good Corvette here, and uh, I think uh, the Liget has a little bit more pace in it. So we'll see um, come this afternoon uh, what everybody's got. So what are you guys going to aim for in the second practice then? Uh, you know, we're going to hope to improve a little bit. We've got, uh, you know, you can always improve, so we're going to keep working at it. Uh, just uh, keep, doing our, keep doing our job and hopefully come out with the same result. Well, there hasn't been a repeat pole sitter yet this year in the prototype category. You have a pole at Long Beach. Do you think you're going to change that this weekend? I hope so. Best of luck, Ricky. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. Adam down in the pit lane. And uh, just, by the way, sort of cross-code, but worth mentioning, uh, because there will be many fans of James Hinchcliffe. Uh, a, a press conference from Hinch tomorrow, I believe, at Milwaukee at the IndyCar race to update everybody on what can only be described as phenomenal recovery. Uh, thanks to Marshall Pruitt for re reminding me of that. Marshall uh, listening in for racer.com back over uh, in California at the moment, undergoing his own recovery after a little bit of uh, of surgery and uh, hope you're feeling a bit better and able to be back on your feet and mobile again soon, MP. We miss you here. Thanks for keeping us up to date with what's uh, what's happening in the wider motorsport world on racer.com. Let's have a look at the PC times, the Core Motorsport 54 car, fastest, 111.7, 112.1 in second place, the eight car in Sean Rahal in the 16 in third. Yeah, good to see Sean Rahal back in the Very 16 much. car for Bar 1 Motorsports. He'll be driving with John Falb, who is also racing in the Cooper Tires Prototype Lights uh, Championship powered by Mazda. So he's got a, John Falb got a busy weekend here. And he's a uh, uh, yeah, an ambitious guy who's not, not been in the sport that many years. And last year was really his first season of pro racing in that uh, Prototype Lights Championship. He's doing it again this year. Doing doing really nice as well. He's the fast. He's the best of the Masters contenders there. But you know he sees a bigger future for for himself. This is his second uh, start in the PC car, and good to see that he's brought Sean Rahal back with him as well. He's a a very very talented young driver. The uh, zero of Memo Rojas being the Delta Wing. Todd Long in the 0-7, just a little bit off the pace at the moment, ultimately for the prototypes, but early days for them. Just the one Mazda here again this weekend, the gasoline-powered car uh, being held in reserve. That does mean, though, Jeremy, that their drivers are released to go and do something else, and they are going to. They're going to do something else entirely. Very different uh, weekend to what they might have been expecting. Well, apparently so, but it's funny, it's funny you should say that because I was, I was down in the uh, Continental Tire Paddock this morning and uh, talking to, I had a chat with the... Uh, very briefly with the Freedom Autosport guys because they had two cars entered, the 25 car and the 26. I said, yeah, what are your plans? This car, no, we're just going to run the one car. And I get back up here uh, and, uh, and then uh, I was told what? And also, and also, in fact, that, that car had been officially withdrawn from the entry list that was sent through uh, a little bit after that. So there's been a change of a plan there, John, has there? Yes, there has. The, the two prototype drivers... Uh, Will be jumping into the MX-5 and driving that as the as the team car, uh, the the 25 car team, and I think draw, driven both of them in the test yesterday and picked the one that they wanted. <laughs> so we're having that one, and then the one that's left over will be the 26 car, whichever way it turned out, whichever chassis was which. The 26 car will be the one that the prototype guys get to drive. So Tristan's going to get a drive this weekend. Yeah, so good, good to hear. Good stuff. Uh, in GTLM, it was the 911 Porsche on a bit of a tear at the moment. Since the uh, post Le Mans uh, victory, that's Patrick Pelier with Nick Tandy. 
Uh, and in second place, it's the three Corvette, the one that has had all the luck and all the results, bar at Le Mans, of course. And that is still the Labra competition car from Europe, remember. remember. This uh, hopefully will be the last race in America for that car before it is taken back to Pratt & Miller, refreshed, i.e. pretty much totally rebuilt and sent back to Europe so he can take part in the next FIA World Endurance Championship race in Germany. Yeah, that, that Porsche on the top again, Nick Tandy set at the time. Do you think he's on a, his confidence is, is pretty pretty good right now? If I st in fact, there's a set of blue step ladders here. <laughs> if I get on that, go at the top and stand on my tiptoes, I still can't reach the heights of Nick Tandy's, uh, Nick Tandy's confidence uh, at the moment. Well, um, John, would you like me to ask him? Uh, well, yes, and you, uh, we have to say happy birthday to Earl Bamba for yesterday as well, by the way. Oh, I will. Okay. But, uh, Nick, you're feeling pretty confident, it's apparent, and John is noticing from the uh, timing sheets. Last year, you were fifth here. This year, you're topping the charts in the first practice. Feeling a bit better? Yeah, don't, don't get too excited. We were here testing on, uh, on Tuesday, so we did... Well, we did many laps on Tuesday, and it was only us and uh, Reese were here also from GTLM. But, uh, you know, so obviously starting much further ahead than the others. When Corvette went straight out and did a 15-8 a or whatever they did straight away off the bat, we were like, ooh, we need, we got some work to do. So, But yeah, it's always better to be first and last, though. Yeah, at least you're at the top for now. That, that's a good place to be. You get to go into lunch and maybe have an ice cream to celebrate. Yeah, absolutely. That's me done today as well. So I do the first session. Patrick's planned to do the, the second session. So I could, I could eat, go and even have a beer at lunch. Wow, getting <laughs> daring now, Nick. Well, it's good for you to be back at this track. This is one of the familiar ones for you now. Do you feel more comfortable with the Porsche than you did last year? Uh, at this track, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, overall, I was, I've been testing this kind of evolution of car a long time in 2013 before we started racing here in, in the Tudor Series uh, in 14 last year. So it's, it's kind of the third year. It's like, but after, after Le Mans and driving all the, the LMP stuff, it's like coming back into your, you know, your, own, your own little sofa and it's all moulded around you and it all feels nice. It's nice to be back. And this is an awesome place. You know, it really is. First sector, I think... Um, because we have the new we have the new aero kit that we we got halfway through last season to help us out, uh, which we didn't run here last year, and now it's like turn one and two. There's no braking, and you know, in a GT car, it's just the aero grip that we've got there is just unbelievable. That's insane, and it's a little bit uh, warmer out today than it, it was last year. How's that affecting the car? Just have to turn the aircon up. It's easy. <laughs> says the Porsche driver. It's, it's not that easy, but uh, it's always a fight between the drivers and the engineers to so how cool the car is inside. But it's always cool when you're in there, right? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's better in practice than in the race. Then we have to we have to maximise everything. But it's quite comfortable today. Well, then you really do need that ice cream. So I'll let you run off to Marion's. Thanks, Nick. Cheers, Nick Tandy, Le Mans winner uh, with <laughs> Continental Tire Billet Reporter. Shane, Shane, Sean's one of the Adams anyway, one of the Adam family. Uh, quick wrap up then from <laughs> here. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you were saying uh, happy, happy birthday uh, yesterday to Earl Bamber. It's, it's also yes. Richard Westbrook's birthday today, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, happy 40th. Oops, sorry. Uh, happy birthday, Richard Westbrook. <laughs> You're a bad man. Championship oh, leader, don't forget. Nasty, nasty.
Yes, very, very good. Well, that was a decent session. Couple of uh, little interruptions there, but didn't really spoil the floor too much. And other than the two guys who his car remembers the 85 PC car and a very odd uh, incident for the 24 BMW with Lucas Lure at the wheel. By the way, he still didn't finish uh, uh, completely. No, in fact, he still only finished fifth position, the John Edwards Lucas Lure car. I don't think John got in the car for that. Um, that's about it for this session. The first free practice for the Tudor United Sports Car Championship here in Canada. And I hope that you'll be back with us for our continued live coverage from Canada of this championship and indeed the rest of the IMSA series. On behalf of Jeremy, Greg, myself uh, and Shea Adam down in the Continental Tire pit lane reporting crew, uh, it's John Hindoff saying thanks for listening and don't forget there's always going to be a bit more live sport for you here on IMSA Radio. This programme is a production of IMSA and Radio Show Limited. For more, visit RadioLeMond.com.